2: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Show. And I've got one of my favorite people of all times. So just ask her. Angelique Shingelis, a.k.a. Ann Angelique, a.k.a. Aunt Jellyquay, to my two grandsons. Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. Been covering uh, Michigan football you can't be ha- having covered Michigan football for 32 years because you're only 34. What, What's up with that, Angelica? Yeah,
3: yeah, I don't know how I've done it. I mean, I, I guess a real prodigy. And, um, you know, my parents believed in me from a young age, too. Yeah. And, you know, I've known you all that time and we covered auto racing and t- together and college. Yeah. So I think you've seen me literally grow up.
2: Yes, I have seen you literally grow up. I remember pushing you in the stroller uh, when we were at the Indianapolis 500 so you could go from uh, garage to garage to interview these guys and stuff. And and I remember pushing you up to Bo Schimbechler one time in the press box. He goes, who's this cute little kid? I go, she's a reporter. Don't be so nice to her. Um, But I digress, speaking of being nice to you. Um, I wanted you on my podcast this week because I have a great interview, in in my opinion, with uh, John Arbesnik, a former captain. Uh, at Michigan back in the late 70s who I was Tom Levinick is a former Ohio State football player uh, who kind of has taken the reins of being the organizer of the ex-players you know group the uh the Buckeye Nation the Buckeye Nation uh, genuflex too every time they're anywhere near anybody and but the bottom line is he's got had some uh, medical problems serious medical problems here in recent recently and uh, this guy started this GoFundMe page for him, I and mean, I've known uh, Tom Levinick for a while now. Great guy, but this guy started this GoFundMe page. I didn't recognize the name, and because uh, I'm not steeped in Michigan lore like you are, and so I just looked up who the who is John Arbustic, former Michigan player. Starts a GoFundMe page that's generated quite a bit of revenue for a former Ohio State football player. You know it peaked p-i-q-u-e-d peaked my interest and my interest in peaked uh p-e-a-k-e-d but i thought was very interesting uh a little bit of an insight into the history of the game these guys don't all hate each other matter of fact a lot of them grew up in the same neighborhood same general area of the country like uh tom and tom levinick and uh and john or and then and come to find out, you know, they grew up in the same area where Mike Golick and Tom Kuzineau and everybody were from. They you know, Tom Kuzino, I found out from John R. watched the uh watched this, watched the uh Super Bowl, or excuse me, watched the national championship with John down at their their winter quarters in in uh what's it called? Hobie Sound. How do you how do you pronounce that? Hobe Sound, Florida, right next to Jupiter, Jupiter Island, which by the way is going to be named Goat Island pretty soon with Nick Saban and Tiger Woods, both having houses there, uh, get it, Goat Island. But uh, it was just fascinating to me. You've covered Michigan football for over three decades. I'm into my deep into my fourth decade, fifth decade, really, of covering Ohio State football. And uh, that's kind of like behind the scenes little stuff that most people don't even recognize about some of these former players, right?
3: I mean, Tim, I've always said it. I think the players generally – really like each other it's the fans who who you know go a little nuts a lot nuts yeah a lot nuts that's perfect you know a lot of nuts
2: I think that's a a, I think that's a coffee brand go ahead
3: (laughs) but no I mean I've seen it over the years too and and you know a lot of these guys did grow up I mean that was the olden days there was a lot more of the you know Michigan dipping into Ohio to grab players and and maybe not so much vice versa but occasionally a michigan guy going on but they all oh, know yeah. each other like you said Craig and,
2: yeah go ahead
3: and they respect each other i think that those things that we write about every year is that they do respect each other the programs you know the players respect each other a lot of them go on and play in the nfl together a lot of them become teammates um you know, I I've talked to John Colasar a lot about this. He's a Westlake, Ohio guy. And and as a matter of fact, his son Caden, who was on this twenty twenty-three team, and Tommy Eichenberg grew up together. They're best friends. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think that there is there is a lot of crossover, but I, I just I think it's also just being part of the best rivalry in, in sports and, and respecting the tradition and and respecting each other. You know, these are the best. And and, and maybe not always the best teams. Year after year, but you know they they're they're pretty much the best teams in the Big Ten and, and often in the country. So, um, just I I think it goes to that, and yeah. they they want to be the best, so they play the best, and they respect the best.
2: Yeah, I you know I'm, I grew up with three brothers, and you when we couldn't find anybody else to play, it was two versus two, right? But at the end of the day, we were still brothers. You know, <laughs> uh, some of us more bloodied than others, but the bottom line is we were still brothers, and uh, I totally. Totally get it. I mean, grew up in the same neighborhoods. We had neighborhood football games, and you know, we would we would literally beat the hell out of each other, and then get together and hang out. You know, this now this you know we weren't sneaking beer at that age, but later it turned into that. But the bottom line was we had a great time, and I totally totally get it. Fans sometimes I think have a have trouble wrapping their head around it, but there's something about being you know in the on the for one of another term the battlefield with guys that you learn to respect. Obviously, you hate them in the moment, but afterwards, you respect the fact that y'all both went toe-to-toe. You know, it's like two heavyweight boxers. Yeah, they hate each other heading up to the fight. They hate each other during the fight, but after the fight, you got to respect the guy that got into the ring with you and vice versa. So, uh, I just think it's fascinating. But, uh, it's you know, those those 70s teams on both of these squads kind of really, I mean, I really say without the 70s, the game wouldn't be what it is today. Do you agree with that? I mean,
4: oh, what, You know,
2: Ohio State not losing four in a row, uh, winning uh, two th- two wins and a tie, and even after the tie, they still got to go to the Rose Bowl. So that created some uh, furor. But then Bo and his buddies turned the tables on Woody his last three years, and then kind of kept those tables turned, you know, while John during the John Cooper years. But I think the '70s really set the tone for this thing.
3: Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and, and the whole Woody Bow connection, I mean, that was, that was pretty, when you think about it, when you step back, it's, it's pretty amazing, you know, mentor and, and pupil and, and then going, you know, the facing each other in the 69 game really changed things obviously for, yeah. for the Michigan program and, and for, for Um, and Don Cannon, who was the AD then, you know, they, they were, he was trying to revive a, a program that was really down in the dumps and um but yeah I mean you know I remember watching those games as a kid I mean I grew up in Cincinnati and 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 watching Michigan Ohio State and you know it was everything and it still is you know I I keep saying that I keep doing this job because I live for that week and and that game and and I I think I'm joking about it but I think I really mean it Tim and um You know i and it it was because that was what I watched growing up. I yeah. mean, you know that was that that was what my father watched, and you know we had we had a a lot of Ohio State stuff in the house, so um, you know that that's what i I grew up with and um and I had an aunt who was from ann arbor and and I remember making a wager with her every year, and I found my sister actually found a picture of me. I lost. Ohio State lost the game and I had to wear a Michigan sweatshirt. And uh, I found this, my sister found the photo of me looking absolutely miserable, you know, it's, it's yeah. holding it up. And so that's what's, you know, that was where I came from in this rivalry. But um, in those critical 70s years and, and look, I mean, they haven't always held up. They, each side hasn't always held up their end of it. And, you know, the the more recent before this three game streak by Michigan, obviously, there was the record that was it, was what it was and when cooper was there you know it was 210 and 1 i mean yeah. it but it was still the game yes. and um and it it owes to the that 10 year war and, and woody and Bo, without a doubt
2: yeah i think it i I've, I've said this a million times i think it stokes the furnace when a team goes on a winning streak in the in the game it really stokes the furnace cuz when you're on the winning streak, you're thinking, okay, maybe Michigan State's a bigger rivalry. Remember all that fall to roll. And uh then the flip side of it is when Ohio State was on the streak, oh, you know, they're like, like, like with Alabama fans who grew up in the Nick Saban era, they don't understand between Gene Stallings and Nick Saban. They just think it's always been Alabama winning or contending for a national championship. No, you know, uh, my point is, I think the I think the longer streak really stokes it, in in the sense of it builds a furor on the other side, you know, and I, you can sense it right now uh, on the Ohio State side. We, you know, everybody talking about Ryan Day being on the hot seat. Well, the Ohio State football job is a hot seat from the time you take it, uh, mm-hmm. just like Michigan is. And uh, all those many years while uh, Jim Harbaugh was there and not winning. They didn't fire Jim Harbaugh. Maybe they came close or hoping he would go somewhere else. Now they were wishing he hadn't gone somewhere else. Maybe, maybe not. We'll get into that briefly because uh, that's been tread on big time over the last many months. But I think it just adds to it. What, what? I think if they just swapped wins at home every other year, you know, I don't think it'd be as much fun. What do you think?
3: That's true. And and I'll fast forward it to now, Tim. And and I had an interesting conversation. You know, there's a lot of hand-wringing among Michigan fans about Michigan's NIL. You know, are they doing enough? And then they see what Ohio State's done this year. Yeah. And in uh, the portal. And and this one guy who works for one of the collectives said that they have found when your team has is pointing where it wants to be, like Ohio State needs to beat Michigan after three games, it's easier to generate funds, to get donors yeah. involved. And he said here, Michigan wins the national championship. And a lot of donors are feeling like, okay, Michigan's there. They're going to be there. So I don't need to, I said, I put enough money in this. And so, you know, they're looking at Ohio state and if you look at their collective, the, um, the, those who stay fund to try to keep the 2024 guys, the veterans to, you know, it, it's, it's really all directed at, you know, you see what your rival's doing, they're spending all this money and blah, blah, blah. What are you going to do to keep Michigan there? So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think that that was an interesting perspective on that. And and here's a, you know, Ohio state's on a three game losing streak, but they are now whoever's fundraising, uh, for NIL is using that to generate more interest in, in, you know, you got to beat Michigan. So this is what you got to do. So, um, Yeah. I mean, I I agree with you. If it was just every other year, I mean, watching, I'm sure Ohio state fans hated it, but watching Michigan win in Columbus for the first time since 2000 was pretty remarkable. I mean, that doesn't happen that often. And, um, and it was good for the rivalry again, not for, for Ohio state fans. I know that, but you know, good for the rivalry. And I think when you talk to when I, when we talk to the real purist fans, they want, each other they, they want both programs to be at damn, the top
2: damn good yeah
3: i mean yeah i mean it, you don't want to beat a team that's that's i mean you want to win but yeah. it doesn't it's not as meaningful when yeah. you win a team that's you know you know six and six
2: yeah just like if you if Austin state and michigan had played in that COVID year
3: mm-hmm. look at it would have been that would have been the 100. Yeah, they would have hung 100.
2: Yeah, they would have well, think, they, you
3: know, they might. I don't know who would have quarterbacked. I, mean, I don't yeah, know. They really, that would have been, you know, when it's they do of, all those uh people do those Nebraska, yeah. what if Nebraska and Michigan had played? And I say, I wish someone would have done one with Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Well, it's really funny. You know, Michigan had the COVID outbreak before the game, I guess, you know, which kept them from playing. But if it had been 50 to nothing halftime, they might've had a COVID outbreak at halftime.
3: <laughs> that's very possible.
2: <laughs> so it was coming. That COVID outbreak was coming uh, one way or the other, but uh, bottom line is you're exactly, I mean, just what you pointed out. That's that's my theory too. Is it, uh, uh, let me tell you something. Uh, I'll be, I'm, I told John this, but uh, uh, when I, I, I drove to Michigan this year for the game uh, and the day before I got there, I went into the, uh, the, the, Bookstore, whatever you call it, right downtown there in Ann Arbor and bought me some decals. I have a dark blue car for some stupid reason because I got a hell of a deal on, it, you know me. And uh, and I put a big M sticker right next to my license plate on the back and one on my on my front windshield just in case Ohio State won. I didn't want my car to, quote, stoke the fires and, quote, you know, uh, afterwards when the, with the uprising. So uh, I planned ahead, ripped them off before I left. But uh, it is what it is. They're probably still right there in the Pioneer high school parking lot. but uh, but yeah, it is crazy. this you know it's you need you need this to like regenerate the other side and get the other side going. And really, no one, I think in the last year, no school in the last year has done more from a getting its act together in the collective side of things than Ohio State has and it's it's paid off pardon the expression, it is paid off uh you know you know the two major collectives and they'll even they're even sort of bragging about the, the funds they've raised but they won't tell you specifically who's getting what so any speculation there is pure speculation but it is interesting angelique we are in a clearly different era in major college football right when you look at the landscape
3: yeah, I mean, I I kind of jokingly call it NFL light. I mean, yeah. it, it's definitely get, getting that that feel to it. Um, I still you know hold on to the whole amateurism. It's great, but college football is great. It is different. It's it's all the other things that everybody knows about the tailgating, the bands, everything. So bands. I mean, I'm gonna hold on yeah. to that. I mean, that's but oh, yeah, you know. I mean, Tim, we are interviewing players who are making more money than we are, you know? What are you talking about,
2: about more money? Like, you know, (laughs) 10 times more. Are you kidding? I I know,
3: and I was just like, well, that just sort of blows my mind every time, but they don't act like it. It's not, no one's been a prima donna about it, I have to say, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just a different world. And, you know, you think about Big Ten media days in July will be three days now because that's got to expand because the conference has expanded. The Eight? playoff is expanding. Everything's expanding. The money is expanding, and you know, I, you know, Harbaugh talked a lot before he left. Obviously, early in the season about revenue sharing. It, it will get to that point, I, I think. Oh yeah. Point when you see the money that that's the, these TV deals, and um, you know, the players are getting savvier. You know, they 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 know that they're the ones that are driving this, so they want a piece of the pie, and it's hard to blame them for that that yeah. approach. Yeah. But um I still hold on to I, I mean every every last week in November I still feel like I did as a kid it still feels like college football it still feels feels pure to me Michigan Ohio State week and that that's what brings me back and and yeah understanding that the sport has changed and that's okay I yeah. mean it 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 just has and it's not the NFL but it's it feels a little bit more like covering a professional league
2: but yeah yeah but but it's huge i mean you know and and the point is i always always make the argument but you know it is so huge but one of the reasons it's huge is because of the schools involved because of the rooting interest the pride involved like you were talking about earlier about michigan people realizing now they got to get their act together from a a nil standpoint because that's there's as much pride involved raising funds there as anything else involved with the teams anymore, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Uh, the amount of money is crazy when you think about it. But then you think of the guys like like I was just talking to you about by Tom Levinick and uh John Uznick, who didn't get to didn't get to at least legally share in any kind of funds. You know, as I always said the NCAA kicked a can so far down the the street uh about uh, sharing revenue with players that somebody else stepped in and started paying them. You know, the the government <laughs> said or judicial system said uh, said this is legal now in our state. You you know, players can can get NIO money, et cetera. So that kind of put off the NCAA having to do something about it. But is the NCAA still going to be too late to the fire? You know, we'll find out in the next uh, year or two. But But my point is, without the backdrop of college football, of the universities being involved way back in the – turn of the century, the last century, uh, would college football be as big as it was? Because I always contend that if you put these players, call them team A and team B, and they play at Franklin County, you know, Franklin County Stadium or the old Columbus Crew Stadium here in Columbus, 20,000 seats, you might have trouble filling it. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: The schools have a big say or a big role in how college football has grown to what it is today. I think you agree with that. I mean – Obviously, you do. I mean, Red Grange got signed in the south uh, end zone or whatever of Ohio Stadium, you know, after his last game with Illinois, uh, by the Chicago Bears or whatever, you know, or Decatur Staleys, whoever they were then. You know what I mean? But it, they always played off of college football back then. But it's been the root of why there is interest, right?
3: Well, for sure. But I do think you know, the one the one thing you have to look at and. and that will be, that could be problematic going forward though, Tim, is with all the money going, the ticket prices are, they're pricing themselves out of, out of range for a lot of fans. And, and yes. that's, I think about it now, you know, we go to games, we get there early. We don't, we, we see the crowd, but it's not, you know, we're not in the thick of it because we leave much later. Um, But I, I envision myself like, you know, would I want to go to a game if I wasn't working? And I I sort of tend to say no. I mean, Maybe once a year. and um,
2: Yeah. And, I mean, that, that, really, and that would be for the game with the biggest crowd, which would make you not want to go
3: Right. Anymore. I mean, yeah. it, it's really it, – it's so much more comfortable at home. I oh, mean, yeah. after, You know, when the Bengals were in the Super Bowl, oh, God, I wish I could have been there. But then I'm like, you know what? I got my skyline dip here that I just took out of the oven, and I've got everything I need here, and I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And I had gone to Cincinnati a few days before to take in the atmosphere, so I got my fill. But – you know, I think that's going to be that's going be an issue going forward is, you know, they've got these gigantic stadiums. And I think we've seen some of the stadiums, I believe it was Kentucky a few years ago, actually downsized a little bit. And yeah. I, I think that that's probably the smart move um, instead of adding seats. But, of course, you want to have the biggest stadium. So, I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, stadium but, envy.
2: Um, you want stadium envy out there. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> I mean, are you going to pay – face value 450 bucks for a michigan ohio state game i don't you're,
2: know i mean you know what you you might pay that but you're not gonna pay you know the problem is those other games you know what i mean that's mm-hmm. that's what these schools are finding mm-hmm. out and uh and the pita i call it pita you talked about your uh, dip you can use pita to uh dip your pita scoops but
3: yeah.
2: pita also is pita paying the ass to go to stadiums i mean to go to go to these games. I want to tell you something, Angelique. I got to the Ohio State at Notre Dame game this year. Uh, well, my, my pregame show I'm on for two hours starts uh, four and a half hours before the game or something like three and a half hours before the game. So I got there an hour and a half before that because I wanted to make sure I got a good spot and then I did. <clears throat> but there, they estimated there were at least as many, if not more, people who came to partake in the pregame, the tailgate, all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, the, the network stuff that was going on there, et cetera, both major networks, Fox and uh and ESPN. It uh anyway, there were at least as many people who came for that uh that stayed as stayed for the game. Because mm-hmm. people I remember I did my thing from uh, out outside the stadium and you know, as I'm walking in the stadium, people are leaving. <laughs> you know, I'm going wait a minute. And it was, but that 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 just shows you the splendor the pageantry mm-hmm. of major college football, I don't think you get that a lot of NFL games, number one. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to see it again at Austin Stadium this year when Ohio State plays at Oregon, which only sees like, what, 50, 52,000 people. But there they, there may be twice that many there before the game starts because it's going to be such a novelty. Uh, by the way, Oregon's now in the Big Ten, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not paying <laughs> attention. I
3: didn't know that. Really? Yeah.
2: Get a subscription to the Detroit News or to uh, LettermanRow.com. I think you can uh, get it for pretty cheap, but, but but flip side of it is you don't want to lose that mm-hmm. for college football. And I think with the money involved, you've, you know, the money involved with television, they really, now they could really afford to drop the ticket prices, but does that fix anything? It maybe makes it worse, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? For the, for the live yeah, crowd I don't know experience.
3: the answer to this. I really don't know the answer to this. I mean, I I was downstairs and dug up all these old ticket stubs from going to Reds games. I mean, $6 yeah. per game. I mean, and I found some old concert tickets. I mean, it it just blows your mind and and you know, I have a bunch of ticket stubs upstairs from the Ohio State Michigan game over the years. Yeah. And it's amazing the jump that that you know, 10 years ago you got know, this really made in in uh in ticket prices, but people have still paid for those. But you're right. It's those early games. I mean, it, everybody knows how crummy Michigan's non-conference was last season. This year it'll be, you know, pretty, pretty exciting with Texas, but I'm just like, I, I wouldn't have gone to those games. Yeah. Yeah. It's hot. Hot. Bowling Green was a night game and everybody was sort of, I think the Bowling Green coaches were like, why is this a night game? I don't think anybody understood that, but. um Hey, wait a minute.
2: Let me, wait, let me ask a question. What game was Connor Stallion's at that day? Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me
3: excuse my me. goodness
2: lightning strike excuse me but that's no you're hard. right I mean you're exactly right Ohio State you know as they're, they're they're they've are they kind of got Michigan scheduled this year at least to begin with because mm-hmm. they played two mm-hmm. Mac teams and uh and Marshall you know so it, it right they opened with uh what Akron and uh include Western Michigan and Marshall that's their three but uh leading up to the uh the, the the big boy but uh uh the start of the conference season but uh but no, you're exactly right. It's if it, in I'm sitting there in the Michigan press box this year at seven about 7 a.m. 7 30. And uh I can see the you know, the sun's coming up and their cars going every, you know, backed up to like I 75 or, or excuse me, US twenty three and stuff. And I just go, man, these people, they really love college football. And you don't want to lose that though, right? I mean.
3: No, you don't. And I also remember walking into the press box and being very obnoxious to you because you were on the phone. Yeah. I knew you were on a radio show, and I screamed, "Hey, Timmy May!" Yeah, and, uh, and,
2: and I brushed you off. off like, "No, I brushed I'm you like, off." Being being the big star that I am, I brushed you off like,
3: somebody, I, you did." You somebody did. take
2: care of that lady. Give her a a pennant.
3: But you know, I mean, but we can say we look back to uh, was it Brady Hoax last Michigan Ohio State game in Ann Arbor, and it was all. Scarlett. Yeah. You know, that was – the Michigan fans did not did not come out in force for that one. So That was the
2: OHIO game. <laughs>
3: that's right. Yeah, and Bray yeah. Oak was a Gold Star Chili guy. So, another, you know, knock yeah. on him.
2: There. Yeah, well, yeah. We grew up, up, grew up west of Dayton, so what do you expect?
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, hey, let me ask right.
2: you a quickie before we get mm-hmm. out of here. Uh, Michigan has written I, – I, I've referred to Michigan the last many couple of months as this Comet. See it coming. Tail got bigger, got bigger. He won the national championship. Then the core of the comet, Jim Harbaugh and his defensive staff left to go to I keep saying, saying San Diego to go to Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Orange County, probably. Uh Sharon Moore takes over. The quarterback has left. Has jumped off. You can see his parachute, JJ McCarthy. Uh, many other players are gone now. Uh did has Michigan come and gone, or where are they? Am I well, a while ago when I told you about the oops factor, which is Oregon, Ohio State, and Penn State as the my opinion the top three going into this coming season in the new expanded eighteen team Big Ten. Where does the twenty twenty four Michigan team fit in from your estimation?
3: Gosh, I, I don't know, Tim. I mean, I looked just casually looked at the schedule and I I see three or four losses, you know, I'm probably, I, I don't know who their quarterback is. I mean, will they go into the portal in April and, and, and pull somebody uh, available? And they have Alex Orgy back. They, they got some good news. Jack Tuttle got his uh, 17th season you know, yeah. eligibility. Oh, he, went. he
2: got his seventh year. He Ohio state had a kid on their, on their, on their team, Tristan Jebbia who had a seventh year transfer from Oregon state. Back will be 25 you know,
3: so. this fall. I mean, yeah. But Tuttle is a good quarterback. I mean, he's yeah. solid. Yeah, probably more like a McNamara type. I think maybe better, uh, better passer. Um, so that that was a that was a plus for them. But I mean, they lose Blake Corum. They lose uh, bigger than it. There's six of their offensive linemen are going to be at the NFL Combine next year. Right, week. six, uh, six, and See? and I didn't That's, think that was a.
2: That they were playing with
3: idea. an extra offensive lineman all year. I mean, <laughs> who counted? I mean. It, right, go ahead. I mean, but that wasn't – and I didn't think that – that was not the best offensive line they've had the last right. three years. The, the other – I'd say two years ago was, was the better line. He pretty good, um, though. Olu, Olu, Timmy, and, you know. Yeah. But they were good. They were serviceable and – or better than that. You know, Zach center was a real deal, and, and that was, uh, you know, unfortunate to see that happen in, oh, the, yeah. in the game. <laughs> um, but he he does joke that he, he, he didn't realize it took – and, and getting an injury like that to hear the whole crowd chanting his name you know yeah. and, <laughs> which was a pretty wild scene yeah you know defensively they should be okay I mean I you know Wink Martindale he hasn't been he hasn't coached in college football in 20 years so I, I yes yes Wink yeah. so I don't know I mean I, I haven't met him I thought he
2: was a I thought he was a game show host yes, go ahead,
3: that's correct <laughs> and you know they haven't announced the formally announced the staff but you know it's coming together I, there's talent there for sure on the coaching yeah. staff and there's talent on the defensive side but again the window the Harbaugh – uh what's it the post um the post coach leaving portal closes in like 4 days i'm looking at my calendar like 4 days so will anybody else jump in you know they had they lost a, a pretty good safety the other day jumped in the portal keon sab so i don't know Dion, i you know have <laughs> And they don't have any receivers. I mean, they have Samaj Morgan, but you know they've got Colson Lovell and tight end. I, I think it's going to be it's I, I'm going to be really interesting interested to see how this goes because I I don't I can't imagine going in there feeling like they they uh they don't lose at least three or four games.
2: Yeah, you know, So because I talked to John orbesnick about that in the <laughs> upcoming uh, interview that's going to follow the, uh, this Sterling interview or this mm-hmm. Sterling conversation. Uh, but uh, and I don't remember <clears throat> whether I asked you this or not earlier, but uh, Michigan's won three straight Big Ten championships, uh, capping it, climaxing with a national championship. Uh, Can Michigan fans live with a little bit of a fall-off now? I I get the impression they can. I got the impression of John Arbiz, like, hey, you know, he climbed the mountain, you know.
4: know, Sometimes the
2: hardest thing to do is go back down the mountain, you know. Well, yeah. (laughs)
4: That's what I
2: think of a lot of the Everest's uh fatalities happen is coming back down after Go the down. In the afterglow portion
3: well i mean i look at the message boards because i'm always curious to see how people are thinking and i see them asking each other hypotheticals you know yeah um would you give up you know would you want to have the staff back and all you know and, and not have that or would you rather you know they all choose most of them choose the because i think there's a lot of of people upset with harbaugh or uh, taking so many of the defensive staff, which, you know, I'm just like, well, he's the one who hired them to begin with. So, you know, I, I didn't, yeah. I don't see an issue with that, but um, it, you know, they got the national title and they enjoyed an unbelievable run. And um, are they going to have a hard time dealing with what's next? Probably. Cause I, I don't think it's going to be pretty at times. I mean, it's, it's, I, I think it's going to be, um it's going to be tough because they yeah. had three years of of great success. And, yeah. um, but you know, they got to give Sheryl more some time and, uh, more than, um uh, like I always say he had 16 hours of being a head coach last season. So he needs more time. And, you know, this is, it's a good young staff, I think with the exception of Wink who I'm glad is older than me. Thank God there's somebody on the staff older than me. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> what is he 38? <laughs> yes, that's right. So I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it, it'll feel probably more like those Lloyd Carr four, 4 lost teams that I think Michigan fans who were around remember those seasons. But yeah. they also had the 97 season, so.
2: Yeah. Well, they've got still got some good players. I mean, let's put it that they way. Do. And uh, I just want to ask you one last thing. You know, like we watched – I even asked Ryan Davis at, at the last press conference we where we had access to him – on an extended basis, I said, you know, we've watched you grow as a head coach because before he took the job and was given the job in 2019, he'd had three games in 2018 when when uh, the school uh, suspended Urban Meyer uh, over that whole fiasco stuff. Uh, anyway, that's another story for another day. But uh, otherwise, he'd never been a head coach. I'm talking about um, Ryan Day. And we've watched him grow on the on the job to, to, to where now – as you well know, he hired Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was there three weeks, and uh, Boston College job opened, and and uh, he took it because it's his dream job. I don't really understand that part except he grew up in that area. <laughs> you know, I was like growing up, and no, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to castigate another school. But their NIL situation is not what you want, which mm-hmm. is the reason why one of the reasons why Chip Kelly was made was made was making himself available, and now Chip Kelly formerly the head coach at UCLA who was on the hot seat his last season went on but got off of it after beating uh, USC. uh, In essence, Chip Kelly, who was Ryan Day's former mentor at New Hampshire, his former offensive coordinator when Ryan Day was a quarterback. Now Ryan Day is his boss. And I think Ohio State has gone from strength to strength to maybe even better strength in the offensive coordinator position uh, on those two hires. It's been such a crazy uh, a crazy time. Uh, where was I going with this question? I don't remember what I was trying to ask
3: you. You're, talking, you're saying how Ryan Day has grown. Yeah,
2: but I've seen Ryan Day grow. And Eli Drinkwitz, uh, the Missouri coach, was sitting there at the uh, the press conference before the, the day before the Cotton Bowl, and he was talking about how it finally came to him in an epiphany, middle of the season. You know what? I can't keep calling plays and doing this stuff and be a head coach. Because as you well know, the head coach position is so much more ridiculous mm-hmm. than it was when Bo and Woody were plying the trade, mm-hmm. uh, of all the stuff you've got to be keeping up with 24 seven. And, uh, and I remember I asked, you know, I was talking to Ryan about that. Just also asked him about that. I saw you paying rapt attention to Eli, but he had, you know, he almost made up his mind about doing this a year ago about relinquishing play calling. duties. We really didn't have the staff in place to do that as it turns out, because, uh, for a lot of reasons, not, not a knock on Brian Hartline, but he hadn't ever done it, you know, but the bottom line is now he's matured and become a true head coach. Not that he's going to climb a tower like bear Bryant or roam the field, who knows, like Bo Schimbechler and stuff, but he's become a true head coach. And I'm just wondering from your vantage point, have you, have you noticed uh, a maturing level on the Ryan day side? I mean, what have you seen that's different about him from your vantage point of covering Michigan, you know what I mean? But keeping an eye on things.
3: I, I feel like in this off season that Ryan day seems like he's taken it up a notch. I mean, I, you know, I think that he knows how obviously knows how important that last game is of the regular season. And I, I think that that's been his focus on it. I, I, the way they attacked the portal was huge yeah. and I, that's gotta be partly him. I mean, that's not, he had to identify what, what was missing, what's needed uh, I know he took a lot of heat after the Notre Dame game, you know, for the comments he made. But you know, he's he's feeling he's finding his way as a head coach, and I I thought that he was still in that that kind of figuring yeah. it out process. Yeah. Um. You know, like you know, you it wasn't quite the same as Cheryl Moore crying, you know, yeah. hysterically after the Penn State game, but I sort of equated those two emotional outbursts. And, you know, I think that that's part of the process. And I think that he's he's taken his lumps the last three years in that game. And it, it can either kill you or it can help you you grow. And I think yeah. that that's where, that's where this team's going uh, under day. And, um, you know, I, I do think it's a lot. I mean, people keep asking, Sharon, are you going to call play, call plays? And he keeps saying maybe. But, you know, you look at – I got Kirk Campbell's contract, the new OC, and it, it says in there – you're still going to make the same money if there's a decision to take the play calling duties away from you. So it I actually says that Wow, Yeah. It's in there. There's a little <laughs> line in there that sort of stuck out. I'm like, Whoa. So to me that indicates that he's calling the plays that Campbell will, which is the right move to make. I, yeah. I you know, you can't be, you know, you, you and I both covered a lot of racing. And the one thing about Roger Penske that I've always admired is that, you know, a really good CEO trusts the pieces around you. You're always in charge. But you give them the room and I, I've always kind of thought in it, at least the way college football's gone as you said you know it's Gary Muller called plays but that was you know forever ago yeah and it's just it is too much and i I think that that's something that you um you have to get someone you absolutely trust and, and take that yeah, off your yeah. Place.
2: let me throw that in there I like that analogy to Roger Pinsky. but but Roger the other thing that says about Roger Penske, which now you're seeing in Ryan Day and I've, you've seen it a couple of years but you definitely You've also got to be able to step back and go, okay, I really like this guy, but it's not working. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. got to go another direction. That that's when you really become a head coach, is right. because really head coaches, the reason they have a separate office is because they are they are separate mm-hmm. from everybody else, players and and the other coaches because you've got to be able to uh, objectively stand back and go, man, I really – I've known this guy. I've coached with this guy for four years, for eight years, but it's not working now. You know, like uh, there's a separation that's got to come. And it's hard to do because you're friends. But it can't right. be – it can't be so so personal to you that you don't do the right thing for the team. You know, like Gene Smith uh, stepping in and firing uh, Chris Holtman last week. Mm-hmm. You know, He had given him as much backing as you can give, including an extended contract, which is going to pay him extremely well. But you know what? He looked at it and he goes, I owe more, really, to these players involved. I think these players are better than this. Mm -hmm. I think it's better Mm -hmm. than what we're getting. And, boom, they turn around. may just be a one-time wonder, but Jake Diebler, interim coach, leads them to a colossal upset of number two Purdue. And it was colossal. And you kind of go, that's what you have to be. You have to be that guy. You want to be friendly, but not necessarily big friends, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've seen that in Ryan Day too, about you know being heart to heart with Kyle, with Kyle McCord after the season was over. This wasn't good enough. Is we won 11 out of 12 games, but this was not good enough. Yeah, we did some things wrong. Our offensive line didn't play well, but you didn't play well too, at certain times when things didn't have to be as tough as they were. You know what I mean? Uh, we made it tough on ourselves because we didn't take advantage of situations. And, you know, Cal McCord opts to go. Well, okay, that's the fallout from it. Meanwhile, they pick up Will Howard from the transfer portal, uh, mm-hmm. who's won a Big 12 championship, who more fits what where they're going to with Chip Kelly, who wasn't even the offensive coordinator yet, you know, a, a quarterback who can throw proficiently but will run. I mean, that's huge. Like J.J. McCarthy, when they needed a run, they got one, man. It was mm-hmm. big time. I think you agree. And uh, and then they get this Julian Sayan kid uh, from Alabama who'd only been there for three weeks, who was their number one quarterback prospect, uh, you know, for 2024 way back when. Then he opts to go to Alabama. He comes to Ohio State partly because Bill O'Brien's there, you know, <laughs> who had recruited him when he was at Alabama. And then Bill O'Brien – but it's serendipity. I call it serendipity where pieces start coming together. It's the opposite of what happened to Tom Allen at, at Indiana. Right. Tom Allen had Kane Womack, who's now the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Kalen DeBoer. He had Michael Penix Jr. and the tight end for uh, Michigan. What's the kid's name? Jay
4: Barner. Yeah, mm-hmm. those
2: guys were all there, I think, almost at the same time or whatever. But he couldn't keep them together. Now he's the defensive coordinator at Penn State. But the serendipity. It's pretty interesting, right? When you kind of you're in the middle of it, watching it develop. I saw that develop at Michigan over the last three years. I don't know if you agree or not. It just the pieces really came together, including the buy-in by the players, and you had all these players returning to Ohio State except two, you know, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and Michael Hall. And but you just see this buy-in; they they want to get there because they've never been there as Ohio State football player. You know what I'm talking about? Big Ten championship, Definitely. national championship.
3: I mean, Michigan really had a blueprint for that this, yeah. this year. I mean, having those guys come back, Forum and Zinter and Keegan, I mean, huge pieces of the puzzle and and Mike Barrett coming back for another year and playing better than he'd ever played. I yeah. thought um really got challenged. I think he got pushed when Hausman came in from Nebraska, a young linebacker, and he really rose to that. And and still, and you had that core. I call them the pre-NIL core. I mean, the guys who still have that purest college football bent to them even though they were you know quorum obviously making a lot of money and 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 McCarthy with his his leadership as a junior um yeah I mean I, I think that it, it's really what you're seeing at Ohio State this year I think yeah. with that that same kind of those veterans those leaders coming back that core and then you add pieces I mean they that's what Michigan's done the last couple of years add some really important pieces from the portal didn't go all out you know just picking up guys, but people who would really help. on the offensive line at tight end guys who'd been captains at previous i think four of them had been captains at their previous stops so um i'm not saying that's always going to work but uh, it sure worked for michigan and and i have every i have every belief that it's going to work for ohio state this year and yeah i think they're going to will it to work i think ryan day will because i i think he has as you said uh, he's learned a lot and it's not easy to be a head coach and and especially following a legend and I think it's fair to call Urban Meyer a legend, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not yeah. overstating that. And 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 here it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to follow Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. And, oh, absolutely. You know, on so many levels. I mean, all his you know quirkiness and his weirdness and his ability as a coach. Yeah. And and a leader of these these guys who you know really did rally around him. So I don't know. I I think. I think Ohio State's going to be – I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that they're the best team in, in the Big Ten, you know, obviously one of the best teams in the country going yeah. into this season.
2: Think, think about it, Angelique. Ohio State got the number one player in the 2024 class, Jeremiah Smith, uh, signed him, the wide receiver from Florida. And then in the transfer portal, they signed the number one player in the transfer portal, Caleb Downs, a safety from Alabama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's never – it is never – they've never had a January and early February like they've had now since I've been covering this team. And I know it didn't happen before that because there was no portal. There was no NIL. There was there was just the allure of Woody playing for the late, great Woody Hayes. Hey, last question for you. Uh, I left it till last, and I'm not being a smart aleck here. From an NCAA investigation standpoint, where does – what kind of shoe could drop, in your opinion, on the Michigan program?
3: Well, I mean, there's the two investigations. I mean, they they got the NOA finally in December for the first investigation, the impermissible uh, recruiting uh, visits during COVID and a couple other things. But uh, Cheeseburger was you know, involved. involved. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not going to go. I know. There. I know. I know it, Pete. There's I know so gets much you more going. more involved them, that. that's such a whoever put that out there is such they a. They were trying to uh, to
2: downplay and blow it. it off.
3: And, you know, I think he was facing, Harbaugh was facing a level one just and and because he's gone doesn't mean this goes away and i think that's what some people around here think um i i think from that you know i I think he would have been suspended probably three more games this fall if he'd stuck around from that first investigation they'll go to a, a committee on infractions hearing probably in the spring sometime um i could see them getting dinged uh for a fee a financial um punishment and and maybe some recruiting stuff i mean I, i'm not sure how you punish harbaugh now you give him a show cause i mean i guess you could i don't think he's coming back to college football yeah um with the other with the the stallions thing i mean Manuel ward manual the ad talked about it the other day saying you know it's progressing as far as i know uh but i think we also know how the glacial pace of the ncaa and how long it takes them i mean this first investigation is from 2021 and it's now you know february 2024 and that that other investigation, I don't know where it's going to go. And yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know where the NCA is talking to Central Michigan about who was that person on the sideline. And there's been nothing coming out of that either. Yeah how how could, how,
2: how how come that wasn't solved the next day? Uh, just
3: I, I don't know. I mean, everyone I've talked to says it's Connor Stallions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I, I don't know. And there are some cl- clear connections on that staff that he would have crossed over at Michigan. And, and maybe that's where, how he got, right. I, I don't know how the man got on the sideline. I I, I don't know. I've had very little, inter- I mean, I interacted with Connor Salians probably seven or eight years ago when he DM'd me on Twitter. Um, and he, I think he was at the Naval Academy then. Um, but, you know, I don't know where that's going to go, Tim. I, I mean, it's... Yeah. Uh, they they have not, I don't think, you know, what the Big Ten, what Petiti said at the time is the, the NCAA hadn't really provided them anything that linked Harbaugh to it. And, you know, he keeps saying innocent, innocent, innocent. Um, but you know, there's yeah. still there's still Chris Partridge got fired and Stallions resigned. And, you know, I, I there's there's Obviously, a donor. There was that, that whole incident, so I've got to believe that that they're looking into all of those. The NCA, I mean, looking into yeah. all of those things. Yeah. Where it goes, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. I mean, yeah. the piece with Harbaugh gone keeps him from getting suspended, but um. And you know what's say. funny though?
2: Remember when Jim Trussell left Ohio State and uh, the Indianapolis Colts wanted to hire him as the as that guy up in the press box who would say whether you take the penalty or not or watch the replay? Remember the NFL stepped in and said. Basically, if he did it, he would it would be a certain game suspension for him. Terrell Pryor had a game had the NFL imposed suspension on him. Uh, you know, the NFL man just whatever 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 blows in the wind and seems right. popular, that's what they're going to do. They're probably not going to sit down a standing head football coach in the NFL who uh, still has this re- this investigation. Uh, following him. And I just wanted to ask you this. I'm not trying to put you in the spot. If you don't want to answer, it's fine, but how could a head coach, and we all know head coaches know almost everything that happens and who's where. And, but when you see photos of Connor Stallion standing next to your defensive coordinator and you're in that photo and this guy is talking to your defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator during play calling time, not shooting the breeze, back by the stands during, you know, during a TV timeout. How do you not know who that guy is? And how do you not know what his function is? I mean, you know, that's the part that just is never going to be satisfactory uh, explanation until Jim Harbaugh steps up and says exactly what he knew about this guy. Because there's no way he didn't know the guy. And there's no way he didn't know what the guy was doing.
3: Of course he had to know who the guy was. This is my theory, and I've, I've heard it from a few people who I really trust on on Connor. And, you know, it's, my understanding is he funded himself the first year. This last year, he had someone helping him pay.
5: NIL, yeah.
3: Um, and <laughs> that he, and when you think about his manifesto and all this stuff yeah. that stuff that I wrote about, I kind of can see this, that he was, you know, he did, got all this information so that he looked brilliant on the sideline. Like he because he'd already studied the signal. Like a savant. Yeah. He, it, well, that was the word I kept using. That he could he wanted to feel like the savant, that he was irreplaceable, that Jim Harbaugh had to have a place for him and yeah. Minter. And you know, and you know, so he's on the sideline picking up the, the signals that he's already studied, and maybe they're a little they're nuanced on the sideline, but he still got them and makes himself invaluable. Yeah. And I, I really think that kind of this this acting on the sideline is, is part of, of who he was. I, again, I don't know that for sure, but I, I'm with you people. though. Yeah. And you know, the other thing with, with mentor stuff, I, I have to go back and look. Cause I, you know, people show them, I've always seen him with headsets on. So I was like, well, was he really talking to him? I don't know. I mean, he, he is moving his lips. So I, I don't know. Um, but you know, he was in the linebacker room last yeah. year. So um, you know, is it coincidence that Chris Partridge was fired right before the Maryland game? Um, you know, not not for they didn't say because of of his interaction with Connor, but for for misleading or or informing a uh, an athlete athlete who's being interviewed. Coaching,
2: on, yeah, coaching, yeah, top. guys before that. yeah,
3: and um, which is not exactly what we heard um, from our sources, but it was a little bit more involved. yeah, and um so yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I know that we think that they know everything. I don't know, I remember talking to Lloyd Carr back in the day, and he's just like, you know, I can't keep track of everybody. Hey, and... that was
2: excellent. Go ahead, though. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't keep track of at... everybody, uh, Angelique. <laughs> what was that guy from uh, the Winnie the Pooh? What was that uh, character?
3: Eeyore?
5: Eeyore, yeah. I can't keep track with everybody. I don't know.
3: <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. I mean, but that's why the head coach responsibility rule, why the NCAA right. put that in into their – but now, I mean, that because that started January 2023, and the head coach is now responsible for everybody on the staff. So 60 yeah. people on the staff, he is responsible for that lowest of low person on the on on the staff. And you know, talking to a couple lawyers who represent schools in NCAA uh, matters, they all they, they feel like that's ridiculous. Like, would Roger Penske be held responsible and punished for something that somebody, you know, individual X did? um and so their point was that this is ridiculous you can't do this and and in the past even though there was a head coach responsibility rule you were able to to uh challenge them on that yeah and well sometimes the head coaches didn't get dinged for. yeah well I mean
2: I, I probably know who one of the you know the lawyers are you were talking to he's a sharp guy but but bottom line is you know yeah you know, if he was representing the NCAA he'd probably be looking at it differently you know what I mean always look at okay. Like, and number two it's like my my point was all I didn't care about stealing. The point was there seemed to be a, an orchestrated, uh, um, or orchestrated system to get to games and be live scouting. There seemed to be that, which is expressly against an NCAA rule. Right. Yeah, I don't care what they stole because t- teams like pick up signs. You have guys picking up signs all day, every day. Once a game starts, whatever you know, mm-hmm. and so it's just. It, just a blatant breaking of an NCAA rule is the deal here. It's like going 65 and a 45. You know, it's right. a you get a fine. Now, if they change the speed limit to 65, like I've always told all these Ohio state players from the 2010 season who got in, in trouble for selling their gold pants and mm-hmm. taking free fried chicken and things like that from this guy, from these guys, um, you don't go back. The speed limit then was 55. You don't, when the speed limit is 95, okay, you can go 95, but you couldn't back then. So the Mm -hmm. ticket was legit. That's why the ticket is legit on Michigan now for this. No matter what else happens, who cares about the sign stealing? It's the orchestrated system to get it done, is the rule breaking. And,
3: right. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I there were a lot of plenty of stories, you know, indicating how many. And the guy was
2: being won. paid by Michigan, by the way. He wasn't some right. rummy dummy just showing up on game day. So go ahead.
3: $56,100. Yeah. But 000. the
2: point is he was on the payroll. And right. like you're talking about, that's why they made, all right, head coaches, man, this is getting out of hand. You're now responsible. If one of your underlings breaks a rule, yeah. it's on you because yeah. you hired this guy. You know, they don't hire Connor Stavis without Jim Harbaugh signing off on it. You hired this guy. You're responsible for him, kind of like your kids.
3: <laughs> well, and speaking of that, I mean, you look at at last year. It was not only getting the draft of the NOA in January, but Matt Weiss gets fired for yeah. um, this investigation that's still ongoing. Um, then you know he hires Shemi Schembeckler. Obviously, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, then the Connor Stallions thing. So if 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 anyone's keeping score, Michigan has not been formally announcing a lot of these hires that they they've made because they do have a new uh third vetting process vetting process I mean yeah. it is, and it's now it's, it's sort of like you're calling going is it official yet I mean it's days now yeah. and and that's probably a good thing that's come out of that oh yeah and, you know it's because they were you know I, I I always imagined like Jim just saying oh you know I'm gonna do a solid for my old coach and bring Shemi in and you know nobody really paid attention to anything so yeah. Yeah. um yeah there was a lot. <laughs> There was a lot when you
2: think about last year. Oh yeah, well it's like a, I'm just thinking about Ohio State the the, HE, the HR office. I mean you you finally hired Bill O'Brien and you're still vetting him, you know. And, right. and then boom, you now you got Chip Kelly and you got you know it's just it because you got to know now. Remember what was the kid? The what was the coach you got hired at Notre Dame? And come to find out, it it,
3: right, right?
2: Yeah, O'Leary. No. Yes.
3: Uh-oh. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah he, and he had
3: fudged his his resume.
2: Yeah, and come, from, he was a hell of a football coach, but right, that's right. He fudged it, you know. Why'd you fudge it, you know? Because he maybe would not have passed uh, the the uh, resume look at uh, test, you know, before they moved on to the interview test. But uh, yeah, but he ended up being George O'Leary, right? He ended up at uh, did he go yeah. to Georgia Tech? Wait, what's
3: the Wait, What was it?
2: What was his name? Yeah,
3: that's right. Yeah,
2: but anyway, the guy was a hell of a football coach. He there.
3: was. <laughs> You know? And I just wondered, I always wondered if he just had had it on his resume and never thought that they'd off of there. <laughs>
2: exactly, you know? exactly. Because
3: at that point, he didn't need it. Right. He didn't need whatever the falsehood was.
2: He went from resume to credentials that everybody <laughs> knew. And, you know, man, just whatever. <laughs> hey, uh, appreciate you being on the Tim May Show again. I'm going to get to my interview. Do so I get
3: some uh, kind of gift for me? Like, do I send a watch or anything? Yeah, like, yeah uh,
2: I send two watches, actually. Exactly. And I send them by mail. Let me know if they don't get there. <laughs> okay mail mail but anyway
3: i mean i remember the old days when we started these beats you do this radio show and oh you get like a a dinner coupon or yeah how about send me some graders is that my trip out to uh
2: for my trip out to uh to vegas i've got we went to happy hour at uh pf chang's me and my buddy jeff snook did Mm -hmm. and i picked up these two coupons for free lettuce wraps Uh the next time I showed up, if I ordered an entree, so I'll send those to you. you
4: send
3: them definitely. Great. That's great. Love
2: it. You like lettuce wraps, don't you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> With oh, your really. three-way chili. <laughs> I
3: would really rather have that. By the
2: way, never liked never liked the three-way chili. I'd never got into chili on spaghetti. It what? never hit me right. I had a long time ago, before I got happily married 42 years ago, way back in college, I had a girlfriend from Cincinnati. She loves skyline, and I never did. I thought it was just a big loss for me it was a big mess waiting to happen right in right (laughs) on my shirt but anyway (laughs) hey angelique thank you very much
3: thanks tim appreciate it
2: man alive i was really looking forward to this interview with john arbesnik uh Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons number one uh, he's a friend of a friend of mine uh tom lebanek who uh is basically undergoing some challenges uh right now in his life from a physical standpoint and John Besnick started this GoFundMe page to help Tom out, whose Tom is sort of, to a certain extent, a- adopted the mantle of being the, uh, the class rounder upper or the class historian uh, of the 1970s style Buckeyes. You know, kind of taking that away from, you know, the late John Hicks, and uh, just has been an impressive guy. I've gotten to know really well. But well, come to find out, this John Besnick character. Kind of came out of the blue, <laughs> at least in my uh, uh, reality standpoint, the other day when he started this GoFundMe page. And, and let's don't get into the background yet, uh, John, but but why why did you start this GoFundMe page for a guy named Tom Levinick?
5: Well, you know what's beautiful about a guy like Tom Levenick is that he he's uh, played offensive line. Uh, he went through 40, 50 years ago when we, when we actually hit people at Ohio State, Michigan with Woody and Bo in practice. Uh, where we started realizing that, you know, we didn't have the modern money of today's uh, NCAA uh, uh, NIL bills or that people are yeah. looking after head injuries. And there's a lot of guys with maladies like Tom Levinick that are not only friends of mine through business, but we're also warriors against the field from us at Ohio State. And I do want to uh, point this out early on in your podcast uh, with a deep heart, uh, the great Ken Fritz passing yesterday yeah. as well uh what a, what a, and another another man who who went through that the, the hitting we did on both sides of the ball yeah and and uh, god bless us the soul there
2: yeah real, real quick anecdote about uh uh in fritz we're standing on the sideline at ohio state practice this time a year ago beginning of spring practice and the, it's one of those few days they let the media in but you also let all these uh, former players in and stuff and we're sitting there shooting the bull on the sidelines and all of a sudden somebody says, look out, we look up and, uh, here comes Marvin Harrison jr. At us about 150 miles an hour. And, uh, I was able to barely get out of the way. And he ran right over Ken Fritz, who, uh, basically <laughs> jumped, jumped right up. But as Ken Fritz said, after he, after, uh, uh, Harrison got up, boy, he goes, boy, he's a lot bigger than he looks. And I go, yeah, you're exactly right, man. But, uh, Oh, God bless his soul. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Ken Fritz. That was a that was stunning news. Um, uh, just a day or so before you and I recorded this, but I want, that's what I wanted to get to with you. you. You didn't let the cat out of the bag, but everybody could hear it meowing a little bit. You're a fellow helping a Buckeye who could use people's help right now, and you happened to play for the University of Michigan in Bo Schimbeckler in the late 1970s. Uh, uh, and you were of some repute as a player uh, for Bo Schimbeckler and the University of Michigan back when it was holding sway in the game. Uh, well, yeah, for a while anyway. We'll get into that Roger. in a minute. John, but what the heck is a, a Michigan alum doing helping a, uh, an Ohio State alum like Tom Levenick? What, what Give people some background on what made this happen.
5: Well, you know, that's amazing to me is that I, when I ever get that question, you know, first of all, I'm from Cleveland. I grew up yeah. across street from John Carroll. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I played in the big 33 game. I mean, with Bobby Golick and Tommy Kuzno were my roommates and, you know, Bob goes to Notre Dame, Tom goes to Ohio State. You know, I played with Tommy Waugh, Bill Jaco at Ohio State. I mean, I think the thing you'll find out when you get to the bottom of it is that we're a lot closer than you think we are as players. Yeah. And and I could be honest with you, and I, I'm glad I can do this on your podcast, because this is just something I can at least get off my, my chest. See, players, the secret, players really like each and love each other. I mean, players respect each other. If you played for Bower Woody, and when I was at the Warren Sports Hall of Fame, and, and I was happened to be, I was a former captain of Michigan, and I got to introduce uh, you know, there were three of us there for for that beautiful thing with three Ohio State captains. And I'm there with Randy Gratishar. I'm there with Jim Stillwagon and Jan White. And if you didn't think we had fun, and and, I, and my side was Walt Downing, Andy Canavino, and me. And Walt sent his kid to Ohio State. Yeah. Andy Canavino's dad gained a thousand yards for Woody at Ohio State. So my question is, how come we're not? We are connected. Sure. Sure. I, I really believe that at a player level and coaching level. You think Bo got four sets of gold pants, but yeah. if the fan thing. And that's why I put TTUN in there, the team up north. And I know you can't do all that and everything else. But when sure, Tommy Kozno yeah. comes over to my house, we're, we're best friends, man. Yeah. I, mean, I don't see it as a player level. When I see a player in need, we go over and help him. Yeah. That's the answer. Yeah. And How I, and I think,
2: think, I think what you left unsaid is everybody's a Buckeye at heart. <laughs> no, I'm just messing. Well, with you. I'm from Ohio, and I know and, you are.
5: My uh, head coach is from Ohio, yeah. And and I do know one thing. We got, I know who to beat, who we got to beat, yeah. And uh, I get that drill, and I mean that with my heart. Talking to you, I mean, I, I'm still, you know, I, I played for a an Ohio State uh, legend, Bo Shenpekler, too. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was gonna say uh, that's where. I know it was a big deal before Woody and Bo, but that's when the game became the game. I mean, in my opinion, you know, I grew up in Alabama and Texas, moved up here in 1976 when I was 22 and knew everything, by the way. Uh, and uh, But but that, that's when I, I, I told the 73 class, uh, the 73 Ohio State football team, I, they let me speak to them at their 50-year reunion this past year. You know, Archie and I were talking about the, that the other day. I had him on my podcast uh, last week because they're putting up a statue to him uh, in his honor at the Rose Bowl, uh, which is very interesting, too. But, uh, yeah, that's when you – if you were a football fan at heart, forget about Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Texas, whomever. Now, I'd never say the word Auburn except when forced to, by the way. That's my that's how ingrained <laughs> I am. But if you don't appreciate – if you don't appreciate what Woody and Bo and what y'all's teams did back during the 70s, then you're not truly a football fan in my, in my opinion, because y'all just elevated y'all went to the simple aspects of football. And in the same time elevated it to the greatest rivalry known to man. And uh, I think you agree with that. Don't you about the greatest rivalry known to man part, at least.
5: Well, you know, the, it's, it's no doubt. And the thing that is, it's, I'm going to share this with you today because there was only I think about 75 people in the room when this event happened and I've never said this publicly. I'm going to say it today. And this is a little, little catch for you when, uh, when, and, and uh, by the way, Tom Levenick was on that sideline this day at the Gator bowl, when the incident happened with Guy Bauman and and Woody Hayes. Yeah. I was at the Rose bowl and we had 11 o'clock curfew and we all saw that game in California beforehand. And I'm going to tell you something about Bo because this story needs to be said. When when we, we walked back to that uh, the Sheridan foreign, or we were the Huntington Sheridan Hotel in Pasadena, yeah, you know, all of a sudden the coaches were meeting us at the door because it was eleven o'clock uh, bed check, and if you you know you better have been there that night, because Bo wanted to talk to the team, and what Bo told the team was any guy and explained his relationship with Coach A's and also explained how family he was and how close he was until to, to the day he died. That's how it was with him and Nan and and, and, and Millie and, and Woody. Yeah. And and the thing about that was, and you could, there was no like tears dropping. What it was is this. Okay, I've lied to you. Okay. First guy says anything against Coach Hayes, Woody, this or that, as on a plane back to Detroit. Fact. Wow. Sat that in the room and he says, I don't want any media tomorrow about this. He goes, Woody may lose his job over this and it's wrong. What I've never told you is you guys were you have to run the same, uh, same, uh, offensive defense. You basically could change jerseys at halftime. He goes, that's for another day. He, you know, yeah. that's the respect that they had for each other. Wow. And I'm glad I got to finally spill the beans after 40 something years, but yeah. that happened. And there was about 50 witnesses. That's the love they had. So, I mean, I know, I feel the hatred out of Ohio state. I, you know, I mean, I look at while Downing sent his kid to Ohio State, came in All-American, but the yep. borings, Michael Warren, you know, so yep. I mean, there's a lot of interchanging, too. I mean, there's 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 there's, there's interstate marriages. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, well, I grew Hey, I grew up uh, an Alabama fan because my grandfather, my grandpa and grand, grandmother, they lived like uh, eight blocks from uh the stadium, uh, Denny Stadium, then as Bryant Denny Stadium. Their church was right across the street from Bryant Denny Stadium, Calvary Baptist Church and stuff. And uh, my my dad's much younger sister introduced her fiance to us uh, in a big surprise thing one one Saturday, I think in nineteen sixty two, I think it was or sixty three. And yet, and basically said his name was Perry Mathis, and he just graduated from Auburn, and he actually mm-hmm. got booed. <laughs> and, and, and and John, he ended up being my favorite uncle by far. You understand what I'm saying? So it's it's amazing. You and Tom, though, where did y'all hook up or where, where did you get to know him pretty well? Kuzina?
5: Yeah, no, or Tom well, Levinick. Levinick. Both of them, the two times. Yeah, well, Tommy Levinick was see. I I knew of the Levenicks, because remember his his cousin Dave. was an all-American linebacker at Wisconsin. Yeah, And he came out of Grafton, Wisconsin. And then he had another cousin uh, or brother, Stu, that was at Illinois. So you were always playing Levenicks when you were in my position. Yeah, Because they were playing linebackers. So there's another Levenick, and its name is Tom Levenick. And then I look at the roster, and I see Tom's playing on the Buckeyes. And I'm uh, going in my junior year at Michigan. And I go, man, there's another Levenick. And and then years went by. We were working at a Walmart trade show, and and I was doing a, a private label company. I was representing this firm, and and we were doing Sam's American Choice stuff, and you know for one of my my clients. And I looked across, and I saw his ring. And this must've been 1990. I mean, or 19 wow. 80, maybe 80 something. Yeah. I mean, this is how long ago it was. And then I saw his ring, and then it, you know that was you know that was that was that was, that was Big Ten championship ring now. Yeah, see, I got three of those, and I'm going, There's another Big Ten championship ring in here. Who's that? And it had Buckeye on it, and I'm going, Oh my god! And this is big guy, Tommy Levinick. And then wow. he, uh, and, and then every trade show we ever went to for years. And then, and then if you re- realize, remember the book he wrote, Buckeye's for Life? Yeah, I'm a, I got a chapter in that book. Yeah, that's all the years we've known each other, and over the years. We'd always run into each other and we'd always profess the same thing. And he wanted the piece of that uh, Michigan legacy, because believe it or not, you know, our, our players and your players are closer than you, media you guys think we are. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. That, that's in the book. That's in Tom's book. And so it's been a long time, 30 years friendship and what a great character the man has. I mean, and what an incredible leader. And then he gets the melodies Tim. I mean, I mean, when you add them up, I mean, he sent it to me and it's over an inch and a half long on in fine print of all the stuff he's gone from prostate cancer to all the brain surgeries to, to having. There, there's, it, it's really, and, and the thing is what I love best about Tom, he would never, he can't tell anybody, oh. but what I love him best, he called me. Yeah. And so I felt very, very fortunate to be that guy that got the call. Yeah. Because he knows what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm yeah. going to reach out from the top of the mountain and scream, Let's help Tom Levinick
4: yeah. and,
5: and, 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 and make his pain go away because he yeah. doesn't, he could not do that for himself.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And
2: by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, GoFundMe, there's a GoFundMe page where you can join in the cause. I mean, uh, started by uh, John Arbesnick. Uh, uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's, uh, sports make strange. I was going to, not bedfellows is not the right term, but sports, sports makes strange friends, you know, because you were just, uh, before we started to uh, turned on record on this, I think Tom Cousineau watched the uh, national championship game with you, didn't he? I mean, you guys are he buddies understood. down there in Hobie Sound, uh, Hobie Sound Florida. Uh, yes. What are we talking about here, man? We're talking about cats and dogs sitting down together and having a well, mouse in the in the room. Go ahead.
5: You know, it's funny. Is uh, see, I've got that. Uh, I played a golf tournament two years ago. They did a big fathead of me, and it's like six foot five tall, you know, and it sits there. My wife puts it up in the room when you walk in. And so we have the game on. And Tom's been to multi games. His, his uh, gorgeous, wonderful wife, Lisa, is a, an OBG GN with the clinic for years. And now she's got a private practice here in Florida, a great doctor. And, and and they would show up at all of our parties well when that thing was installed tommy would walk back and then he looks at it and it's like his height you know yeah, yeah. Full size. and he goes quit holding me <laughs> you know he's like looking at my thing and he won't take a picture with it that's the cool part because yeah. he doesn't want to he, he's not gonna take a picture with my fat head yeah, you know, he no. wants because he thinks I'm holding him even now. You know. Yeah, exactly. But, but no, he, he, he's he's good friend for years. Tom and I played together, at big thirty three. Uh, he was kind of a hero of mine uh, growing up because I played, we played against each other in grade school, high school, college. I didn't play pro against him uh, because I was only in the NFL for a really brief period, but but I did play against Bob Golick. So I played against Bob Golick in grade school, high school, college, and the NFL. Yeah, But Coo's went to Canada. <laughs> right. Where the money was yeah. bigger then. <laughs> well, he may, you know, he made double the money, but he doesn't match yeah. for another day. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, He's gonna okay,
4: he and I
2: have talk, talked about that before. You know, there was more money in Canadian Football League than there was in National Football That just shows you how players were getting screwed monetarily all, all throughout this uh, history of football. But uh,
5: That almost that, proves it. That yeah. just proves it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in the court, that's, that's guilty. You know? Yes.
2: Yeah. No, yeah, I don't want to hear your side of it, NFL. Hey, uh, John, give it to me, though, right now. Let's just jump into something else. Uh, mm-hmm. was, were, were the last three seasons as a Michigan alum and a Michigan – diehard Michigan fan, I know you are, um, and then to cap it off with how it was capped off this year, we'll get into, like, a little bit of, like – the salt that was thrown into the water, you know, also, but I don't know, where are you right now in terms of your Michigan fandom? Uh, have things finally come to fruition? I keep reminding people, Bo Schembechler is maybe as hallowed a coach as there's ever been at Michigan. He never won a national championship,
5: you know, and. Um, well, I can well, dispute that, but go well, ahead. But you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about, you know. Charles White's fumble on the two-yard line cost us dearly. Yeah. Yeah, but you Uh, you know where I'm going. I mean, you know. I know where you're going. uh, You know what's beautiful? I'm glad. I'm getting into this great, with the great Tim May show, the the Buckeye uh, controversy on the sign stealing and everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, Let's go right into it. I mean, if you want to go. Well, no, but I want to ask you, just um, to
2: to see Michigan walk off that uh, field uh, the other, you know, a month ago as national champions, what did you feel?
5: You know, uh, what? it's almost surreal. Uh, I remember in 97 when I saw him win, I was at the Rose Bowl with my wife and our best friends, and I actually had tears in my eyes. This one was different. This one was, uh, there was just too much uncertainty going forward. And, and not necessarily the sign stealing stuff. It's funny how the NCAA wrote a letter right away. And then the president says, oh, there's no problem. And then, and then Paul Feinbaum recants. And, and I'm just thinking, well, maybe that's an ESPN thing, you know, that, uh, that says, uh, okay, we don't have the Big Ten anymore. We tried to kill them during the season. We are unavailable. Yeah. I mean, the six games thing that started with sign stealing has opened up in, in uh, East Lansing. And, and they opened, that stadium has been around for a hundred years. That was the worst beating of Michigan State in their home stadium in a hundred years. Yeah. And there was no sign stealing it. So then I went there. So I'm making my own decisions because I don't know who this Carson Stallions is. I don't, or Connor, whatever, I don't even know his first name. I'm going, Stallions, I don't even yeah, know. Yeah. I, I have no clue what the heck's going on. And, and most of his fans didn't. And then I see all the evidence. And But then the evidence was a little too overwhelming. I mean, there was just too many people jumping on and, and and all that. So they still had to go into Penn State. I mean, they get rid of Harbaugh on the plane going in there, which, you know, that's kind of that's kind of chicken. Uh, if I can say the other word, I'll say it. And then, okay, so then you get our friend, uh, you know, you get Sharon Moore now coaching. So Sharon Moore beats Penn State, beats Maryland, and beats Ohio State. Harbaugh's out of the thing. So what am I thinking? I'm going, well, you know, they run the ball out. <laughs> yeah. And then we go into the, the Big Ten playoffs. And, uh, well, that, you know, I always loved that Iowa defense because, you know, they, we struggled against that Iowa defense. We had a punt return in that game. And, you know, I mean, in reality, that wasn't a great offensive performance for us. And then I'm going, okay, we're going to play Alabama. And then you get by that. And then you get by the uh, the Washington game, and then you're a national champion. And, you know, it, it's cool. But it's, it's, like, it's almost like they would have never won it if they were told that they, that they couldn't win it. Yeah. And it's almost like all the enemy the media created with these kids all resounded into the kids themselves. And, and I think that what I'm most proud of is those athletes that play there because they did that on their own. Yeah. This had no help. I mean, this wasn't a fan thing. This came, and that's when they used that term bet. That was and I I swear, if that never happened, I don't believe they'd have won the national championship. Yeah. Had that all that all that noise hadn't made them supermen. Yeah. And and I and that's that and it was really weird feeling because I remember waking up the next morning and I go, Now what now what do we do? You know? (laughs) Yeah. It was different. It was a lot different than ninety seven. It was a different it was a weird year, Tim. You know. Oh yeah.
2: All kinds of ways. I mean, when your head coach is on the sideline for six of the games and for whatever reason, six of the games, he wasn't there. You know what I mean? By for, for, you know, for in uh, improprieties by somebody else or by himself, but, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, he wasn't there. But then what had been built could not be stopped. I mean, that's the way I looked at that Michigan team from the standpoint of, uh, I salute that team and how good it was. I mean, from stem to stern, how disciplined the defense was, uh, how sound the defense was uh, for the last couple of years, but especially this past year. You know, Jalen Milrow, you know, he run. Well, wait a minute. There's a Michigan guy. That, there wasn't a Michigan guy there, you know, or there wasn't a guy there when he ran against Texas or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? So, my, my, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not Texas because they got beat by Texas. But uh, But, yeah, I salute that team. The question marks about it will always be there. You know, there's no denying it. Um and NCAA doesn't just show up anymore to just to look into nothing, you know. But uh but is it NCAA even gonna be involved or, uh, even by the time this uh podcast airs? Who knows, right? <laughs> but but it was it was Jim Harbaugh promised this to a certain extent when he showed up. I I mean John, I was sitting like eight feet from him when he uh basically guaranteed Michigan was gonna beat Ohio State way back in nineteen eighty-six. And of course, you know, y'all, y'all were coming off that loss to Minnesota. And uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember like it happened. And then a month and a half later, he's at the touchdown club of Columbus and Mike he's uh, talking with Mike Tomczak, who was there. Cause he was a mm-hmm. uh, rookie on the bears team uh, in 85. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> One, But he, and he and John got to know, or Jim got to know each other, but he brought him, he brought him over and he goes, yeah, I wanted to introduce myself. Uh, I'm John Harbaugh. I goes, uh i'm jim harbaugh i go uh, yeah i know i know who you are and he goes uh he goes you were at that thing when i guaranteed we were gonna win right and i go yeah he goes yeah. i go why is that he goes because you should have seen your your eyes uh, your face i go what do you mean he goes your eyes got this big because <laughs> yeah. this is harbaugh recounting
5: how i looked when he guaranteed they were gonna oh. win so well, let me tell you there was I go one back person a long way with this funny. dude yeah there Was one person a lot more surprised than you? Mr. Oh, yeah. May, and that was Bo Shembeck. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm, I can't even imagine. I was Bo's captain, I was Centennial captain, I was team 100. Yeah, because they're team 144 now. That tells you how old I am, but yeah, I'm going to tell you this. I'm I mean, I would have thrown me off the team if I did that, you know? Yeah. I mean, hardball at that, you know, Bowen mellowed. He's now in his, what, 17th year at Michigan in 86 since he started in 69. Great one. Of, yeah. Uh, his yeah. His favorite win ever. And, um, and 17 years later, I mean, what he'd have done to us if you'd have guaranteed a win? First of all, you wouldn't have played. And he would have showed total disrespect for Coach Hayes and that he was. And, and when you're captain, and you walk out there on the field. Let me tell you something about this. The first thing that's known, and you tell the refs this, he goes, look, we're not, you know, any, the coach tells you, Bo and Woody, both told their captains, any, any, anyone that you have a problem with, you know, with personal fouls or mouthing off to you, let coach wants to know first, cause he'll pull them out of the game. You don't have to throw the flag. Yeah. he will get rid of them. Yeah. And, and that, every one of us knew that. That's why you never saw a fight in that game because that was the most police game, at least back when I played. I mean, I yeah. saw a couple of things, you know, when the, we got a little chippy in the last few years. But when we played, you know, in Stillwagon and Janny White and, and Grand, Grand, Grandish and, and, uh, and then my classes with Rick Leach and, and uh, you know, and, and Keith Byers and all those great players that ever, it was called class and it was honor and there was no, there was no gray area. Uh, that didn't exist. So you could take that series as long as you want and look at it. But I think the chippy started in the last 15 years, 10 years, because that's why things like me and and Tom Levinick should be, those were normal back then.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we all remember what, 97, I think it was, uh, uh, Charles Woodson and uh, David Boston going at it, you know what I mean? Uh, You know, down the sideline. Of course, that was Lloyd. Uh, No, who was that? That was Lloyd Carr right? yeah, by then because uh, mm-hmm. Gary Moeller, former Ohio State captain mm-hmm. who had been the head coach at Michigan, you know, because that's where Michigan who went. I love,
5: by the way, recruited that's, me. Yeah. A dear, wow. a, a dear, dear, wonderful man, and yeah. God bless him. And yeah. by the way, for the record, what blew up Jim Harbaugh away, I might as well bring every story on your show. Go ahead. The one thing that shocked Jim Harbaugh that summer when Gary Moeller died and he went to the funeral in Lyme, Ohio, who was walking out when he was walking in was Tom Cousineau. Wow. Cause people don't realize how close Tom Cousineau was to Gary Mueller. Yeah. And you know, what bothers me is there were two guys that we almost got when I was playing in Michigan. And the first one was Tom Cousineau yep. who, who who said he would have gone and i you know, Kuz, don't get yeah. mad at me. I'm breaking the thing right now. He'd have gone to Michigan and Mueller would have been around the whole time. And, and, and there he is at a funeral, which gives me evidence. The second one and you know Brett Adams, and that's Chris Spielman's agent. Yeah. Uh, and You oh, know yeah. Brett's a good friend of mine too, and 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 Chris Spielman w- wanted to go to Michigan, but his dad told him, "Don't come bother, uh, don't come uh, bother to come back for Thanksgiving because there's going to be no home here for you."
4: <laughs> so he
5: got forced. He, his was more of a Maslin, uh, Paul yeah. Brown relationship in Ohio State than, because you know it's hard to get all of those guys there. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Well, Archie's final three was Ohio State, Michigan, and Northwestern. Because he made good grades, you know what I mean? But uh, as Jose goes, why would you consider, well, I'll make good grades? You
5: know, know, it's it's funny because when we were all growing up, but the one thing I will say is Ohio high school football is second to none. And as much as I can hear things uh, from alumni and everything else, I mean, I don't know what the problem was with Jim's first seven years or the 14 years in between, but I can guarantee you this, there weren't a lot of Ohio high school players on that roster. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll tell you this, the one thing I am is the Ohio high school athletic association. And whether you're in Northern Ohio, you're in Northeastern Ohio, you're in Northwestern Ohio and you're in Southern and you're in uh, South Central or right there in the middle of the heart in Columbus. These are great football players. Yeah. yeah. And, and look at them, when you go around, they're just littered in the NFL.
4: Yeah, And the oh, question
5: yeah. is, how many can you get? And, and, and everybody looks at their alma mater, but the one thing us Ohio guys got, including Tom Levine, you know, in the end, I mean, he's, he's, he's now an Ohio kid for life. We're Ohio kids. What well,
2: well, you know? well, well, See, I grew up in Alabama and in Texas. Texas know. football, Texas high school football really takes a backseat to no one either uh, In a lot of in so many ways. What is it about? What is it about Ohio football? Do you think, John? I mean, especially back when in your in your time, there were so many great. I mean, the Browners. I mean, right on down. I could name a million guys. Uh, John Hicks. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, of course, Orlando Pace came from Sandusky, of all places. Maybe the greatest lineman mm-hmm. I ever saw. At least I ever saw. Uh, but what is it about Ohio? You think that stew's that 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 makes that stew? You know what I mean? That you have to to be to. Be, to be a hard-nosed big time tough football player.
5: I have the answer too. And it's uh and it's it's kind of interesting because it kind of goes back to Chris's high school and it starts with a man named Paul Brown. Yeah. And and Paul Brown is what started everything. And uh and, and it's amazing, you know, the, the what he had, the impact he had in high school football through Maslin and then the Ohio State University, which which uh, and who the man is and how he takes it to the NFL yeah. and not only the Cleveland Browns named after him, then goes to Cincinnati. Yeah. And it builds it in Ohio. And if any guy could absolutely uh, pontificate whether it's Marion Motley in the old days or, or Frank Ryan, or you know, it's old guys, or if you go Luke, Luke Groza, and, and and Dick Mojoletsky's and the brothers and so, Dick Shafrath from Ohio State. Yeah. And, and the greatest players ever. It all started there. And and I, I'm going to tell you this, too. And this is something nobody talks about. When I was a kid, uh, if you go from Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and you go right up through Beaver Falls, Joe Namath, right into Youngstown, and then you crew all over into Warren and, Akron, Canton, and then you come on up in Cleveland, and you mosey your way over there to the western suburbs of Cleveland, and then you end up out there in Toledo and 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 Fremont and and uh, Woodville, where Johnny Geese is from, and then you cruise up into uh, Detroit and end up in Saginaw. Yeah, those kids come from steel mills. They come from uh, from the glass factories. They come from where where automotives were built, where engines were built. They come from a place when the five dollar an hour. Wage was a major thing. But the one thing they come from is whenever they talk back to their parents, they, it doesn't happen. And, and when a football coach was trying to coach you, like Paul Brown or back then, and you were mouthing him off, your father was in your face, not his. Yeah. And that's where Ohio, especially in that area and Western Pennsylvania, and for that fact, Southeastern Michigan, they, these kids played hard and they played hard for you. And then, you know, everybody then changes, but I'm not saying it's bad today. I think it's all adapted. But yeah. the one thing you do know about those days, I mean, there was no gray area. It was uh, my way or the highway. And, uh, there's a lot to be said for that. At least go through it at one time in your life. They used to call it the United States Marine Corps when you, if you didn't play high school football in Ohio, but yeah, you did have an option.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, last thing, uh, where does Michigan go from here, man? The head coach is now the, with the Los Angeles Chargers. He's back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his legacy, we'll see what his legacy is 10 years from now as far as some of the stuff. There's no doubt what what was built there over the last uh, how many years? Nine, what, 10? Well, 10 seasons, uh, nine seasons. No doubt about what was built there finally. Uh, it was came to fruition. But, You know, Sharon Moore is now the head coach. Uh, Your quarterback is gone. Um, There's some upheaval in the coaching staff, obviously, which is expected. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. How does Michigan maintain, kind of like the question about Alabama right now with Nick Saban. Isn't that crazy? Nick Saban is no longer. Isn't it funny, real quick before we go. Nick Saban, his only two losses in college football playoff semifinals or to Ohio State in 2014, which went on to beat a Pac, t- PAC twelve team, Oregon, to win the championship, and to uh, Michigan, which went on to beat a Pac twelve team, now a Big Ten team, but now, but then a Pac twelve team, Washington, to win the national championship. That's that's symmetry. What is that, man?
5: But it's weird That's three questions at once, but
2: I'm I'm famous that's- for that.
5: Well, it's rare fight Earth. Uh, uh, The fact is, I was thinking how many teams have beaten Ohio State and Alabama in the same year. Yeah,
4: yeah.
5: that's I never I couldn't look that up. Yeah, I could too, but uh, it'd be a small list. (laughs) But back to question number one, and question number one was basically how they're going to do it now with the coaches moving and everybody leaving and everything else. Uh, Let me, you know, the last three years are are much a very big anomaly because this wasn't that long ago people were calling for Jim Harbaugh's job. And and I think what Jim did when he built his culture in Michigan, and I know one of the things that hurt him badly was that, I think it was 2015 or 16 Ohio State game on that down marker would have put him in there where he didn't get it and, and whatever, you know, and that's something that'll always grill him because that, that certainly set him back. And, and, and then, and then he went through a period I think in 2019 and 20 or actually before COVID, it would have been 2018. And they played South Carolina in the, uh, in, in the uh, Gator Bowl or the Hall of Fame Bowl, whatever it was, and they, had a, they blew a 19-3 lead. And, and then at the end of the game, and he had his dad there and he had his brother there, uh, Johnny and Jack, because and, we played for Jack, and Johnny was a little brat. You know, Harbaugh was a little brat in my locker room. I mean, cause yeah, sure. dad was a secondary coach. So all of us knew the Harbaugh's we knew him from whatever they, they just, they didn't have daycare back then. Bo's yeah. daycare idea was they take over the locker room. They do whatever they want. And that, so John and Jim Harbaugh were very well known to the guys in the seventies, but, but Jim was like struggling a little bit. And I, and then I think what he did was started retooling. You got urban Meyer throwing the ball all over the field on Don Brown. And, and, and I know Don Brown is a great coach, and I'm not – I hate to get on these podcasts and show any sign of disrespect because Don Brown has is, is, is proven to be a great coach and a head coach of Mass and or UMass. But the point is, Urban Meyer owned him. Yeah. And Urban Meyer just ran his RPO. So yeah. the Lend-Lease program that happened between Baltimore Ravens and Michigan, which was basically John Harbaugh giving his brother uh, Mike McDonald. Yeah. And so Mike McDonald comes in and goes, ha-ha, we can stop RPO and does yeah and then then he leaves us and goes back to the ravens because they bought him back and then they send us jesse minner who says you know that's that raven defense and now he's gone in there so they're all like leaving sharon but sharon's four and oh he only beat ohio state penn state uh, maryland and bowling green so you can sit there all you want but he kind of did it on the road with 20 what 42 yeah. plays. and then and you ask what's going to happen and uh I will tell you this: we went from from we went from nothing with Brady Hoke and with uh, with Rich Rodriguez. Then wow. we we started climbing, and then we went back to nothing. And by the way, just for the Buckeye fans out there in University, the 20 years of hatred, but I felt it, all right, because we couldn't do anything since Lloyd Carr won the Natty or or, or so with 2004. Uh, and, and it ended when Bo died is when our, our, our big push in, And then mm-hmm. we had no, we had no, there was no culpability responsibility because Bo was dead and Rich Rodriguez finds his way in there. Brady Hook finds his way in there. And then we get the, 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 the golden child and there he is, the great Jim Harbaugh. And yeah. then he struggles. So these last three years are an anom- no- anomaly, but it's the greatest three years in Michigan history. Uh, I mean, recent history. Yeah. And where does it go from here? It could go anywhere, Tim. I, 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 none of us know, but I'm just thankful for the last three. Oh yeah. You 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 never know. I I mean, Jerome may more baby better than than Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. Well, that's what I keep reminding people. See, I, like I said, I grew up in
2: Alabama going to Alabama home games when I was a little kid in the early sixties when Joe Namath was there. And, uh, and, uh, you know, Paul bear Bryant walked on water, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. And, uh, between Bear Bryant and Gene Stallings, there was a chasm, you know? I mean, uh, not maybe necessarily a desert, but uh, Ray Perkins couldn't get it done. Bill Curry couldn't get it done. Then he bring in a guy named uh, Gene Stallings from Texas A&M, who uh, the last time I had seen him and Bear Bryant together, Bear Bryant was picking him up after uh, Texas A&M upset Alabama in 68 uh, uh, Cotton Bowl because uh, we were there because we'd moved to Texas. But, you know, you got to support, right? But then between Gene Stallings, who they ran out of town, I mean, right. made it unbear- they made it unbearable between him and uh, Nick Saban, desert. And all these Al- Nouveau Alabama fans who think it's always been this way with Nick Saban, the way it was with Nick Saban, they're, they may be in for a surprise, who knows? Because I think uh, Kalen DeBoer is a hell of a coach, the guy they ended up getting from, from uh, Washington. But it's the same thing. You know, th- the key is for Sharon Moore to be Sharon Moore you know, I think you agree with that. I think you're yeah. see that you've got to have patience because there's going to be a falloff this year in some form or fashion. But Sharon mm-hmm. Moore doesn't need to be Jim Harbaugh the you know, just like following Nick Saban. I can't even imagine
5: that. Can you imagine that? Following well, you know, you know what's interesting about that because I'm one of those guys that that, that is, I does I I do statistics on my own. Gotcha. So I'll actually sit there, I'll get bored and I'll I'll go through a book and do my own numbers. Wait a minute, aren't, aren't you a
2: former Aren't you a former football player? What are you doing? Go ahead now. Yeah, but I was a math guy too, matter of
5: fact. Okay. I finished 16th in the – I think I had 100 of my SATs in math, and I finished 16th in the state in a math guy this out wow. of Ignatius. Wow. So I just like numbers. And one of the numbers that I think I'm right on, because I did this myself, and uh, and it was after golf, so I probably had a couple of beverages. <laughs> but uh, I think Bo's <laughs> record at Michigan, just his record at Michigan, I think it was 79.9 or, or 80 buzz was like was like 79-9. And remember he won went 40 and 3 in his last 43 games. Yeah. But you know, at at, at Michigan. But I it it's it's he never got past it percentage-wise and then left because he struggled to start. Yeah. And then then when he turned it on, he went on a level that Urban Meyer would understand. Yeah, You know, I mean, yes. and then Jim Trussell, And that's one question I have for you, if you want to end this thing, that one question from you. Uh, another trivia question I have. Uh-oh. Who's the only university in uh, college football that has fired three national championship head coaches? <laughs> that's pretty now, funny. I like still get the best coach actually
2: you just keep yeah. urban <laughs> urban wasn't fired but urban had, de- had determined that he didn't like the atmosphere anymore <laughs> because of what went on at the beginning of that year in 2018 uh, but but urban felt like you know I'm not putting words in his mouth because boy I, I would never do that but I think he felt unappreciated and whatever else you want to call it and uh maybe sp- Maybe stepped on a little bit, you know what I mean, because yeah, there was a president there, the same president <laughs> yeah. by the way who talked to big Ten into hiring Kevin Warren as its uh uh as its commissioner, commissioner Michael yeah. Drake, who just mm-hmm. it was crazy what what went on in the early two thousand and eighteen season was kind of crazy, and then uh urban yeah and urban urban is kind of like a comet, man, you know uh mm-hmm. and but anyway, I'm stammering, but you know you're exactly right, they didn't leave there. Yeah feeling good. You're, you're, you're right. But you know what? That's how much, that's how important Ohio state considers college football, considers its football team, John. You know what I'm saying?
5: They like, take it seriously. Well, I know that I'm from Ohio, remember? And that's the thing, you know, and, and there's a lot of things that for some another day, because I'm sure we're going to revisit each other yeah. in the future, Yeah. but for some other days, as far as actual, when it gets to politics and football, we'll we'll talk about that someday because they're, they're, they're unilateral. Yes. I mean, they absolutely follow the same things. And, and there's a lot of coaches and their, their policies and where they develop uh, that aren't politically correct some, and, and, and get in trouble. And some states will allow that, some won't. Right. And then you find this whole bedfellow thing transfer. And then, and I always thought the world of Jim Trussell, I, I I'll leave it at this. I was at uh, Tom Reed's camp. I was going into my senior year in Michigan. I was a, a big guard the year before. And I worked the strength coach in Miami, Ohio, when Tom Reed took the job. Yeah. And who was my roommate the first week? Jim Trestle. Oh, and can't. he had come from Baldwin-Wallace with his daddy. His daddy was Lee Trestle. And, uh, and Jim was, uh, was a young coach. And he, and he that was his first Division One job, uh, or Tom Reed. And, and we were roommates the week. And Jim doesn't remember it. I talked to him on the phone. But uh, uh, that, that, that was that was a long, long time ago. Uh, and I, I respected and what a great coach yeah. and what a, what a great record against Michigan. Yeah. And so, you know, it was hard for me every time he won because I personally thought he was such a wonderful human being, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then Woody of course was all of our mentor because Woody was kind of like Woody and Bo. I mean, it doesn't get any closer to that. No, their, their, their passions was phenomenal. And then, and respect was both ways. I know yeah. that. Yeah. And then and urban, in the end, and, and uh, but yeah, Ohio State's gonna get another national championship. You know, I'm not calling you a football factory, but you guys are geared out to do it. Uh, and, and you coming from Alabama, you, you you know the drill,
2: yeah, yeah, and Texas, yeah, <laughs> there you go. yeah, but, yeah. But, but we'll see where it goes. But no, you're right about trestle, trestle was the uh. Tressel was reverential when it came to Ohio State football too. I mean, he understood. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. the one that started the singing "Carmen, Ohio, Win or Lose" at the end of the game. Yeah, and right on down the line. I mean, he got he made sure his players knew Ohio State football history. I mean, he would quiz them on it. I mean, it was you know it was important. And uh, and you're right. I mean, but every coach has his own style, man.
5: I've never. Yeah, there you go. It's all geopolitical too. And yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm sure Fielding H. Yost had some people going. What the? Wait a minute, this guy. This guy goes to school here.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Matter of fact, one of these days when we're off the record, I'd yeah, like to fill in, you know, there's a lot of other things initiatives I've been working on. Yeah, that I think you'd find very interesting that we'd like to discuss because I think before, obviously, they deserve. They don't need a public forum to start, but we eventually would like to talk about some of the things in college football that could be better. Oh, absolutely.
2: Please. I'm going to have you back on because yeah. I mean, NIL and the transfer portal now have totally changed everything. Can, can you imagine what a clever dude like yourself who could figure along with play football, you do, you would you might've never even had to try to play in the NFL. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you could have made a fortune. I was talking to Archie about that. I mean, you know, uh, Archie still does commercials, you know, in town and stuff, and he, you know, but but just think about if you could have parlayed some of those glory days of the of the 70s into like financial uh, uh, rewards, that would have been unbelievable, wouldn't it?
5: Oh, my goodness. And the money was nowhere. I mean, the only guy making money and uh, apologies to Tom Cousineau, uh, because he hates it when I do this to him because it, he was the highest paid athlete in the world in 1979. Uh, in April, when he came out of the draft, because remember they gave him three million dollars uh, in, in Buffalo uh, for three years, and uh, and he, he uh, Ralph Wilson of the Bills only offered him a million five, so he basically yeah. doubled it. And yeah. then Tom went there, and uh, and at one time he was the highest paid athlete in the world. Yeah, and you know now they got long snappers making that. I mean, I mean, it, it's unbelievable what – which takes me back to the Tom Levinick thing. It, it's that all the head injuries we got for nothing and how the NFL, once we went into the NFL years later when all my, my teammates are and all over, were Bubba Paris and Johnny Geisler and all these great football players from Michigan yeah. that have head injuries and need help or Kenny Fritz dying. You know, at the very end, Tim – it's like they nobody wants to take any and responsibility for any of that. Yeah, and and that's why I like NIL because now at least the kids can do something and set it up on their own. Correct. Correct. And on that note, I know you got a boogie. You got to go to California for the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you just gave away the time frame that we're, in it with, that we're recording this in. Uh, you don't. You have no idea about pre-recording big time interviews <laughs> with, with special guests. John, oh man, what a pleasure, man. What what a pleasure uh getting to know you and and it's it's it is so ridiculous to me. We'll end with this and you can put a, a bow on it. Pardon the mm-hmm. expression. Pardon the expression. Uh uh it is so ridiculous. What a small world. Big time college football really is when you think about. It. I'm just talking about big time college football. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody has an anecdote about everybody. Everybody has a secret about everybody. And this, what you're doing for Tom Levanick, is just a great example to me, of of the community that is big time college football, especially from y'all's generation. Man, it was, it, it was different back then in all kinds mm-hmm. of ways. And uh, but, man. I think people appreciate what you've done here and uh, and probably will
5: keep doing. Well, what's really cool is uh, uh, I'd like it to get the, you know, the the site out there on the podcast when it runs I and, and, and just tell them because everything we get goes to Tom and everything and everything you can help him uh, because one of the sad parts is, is I don't want Tom, you know, we if we're on air, I don't want to say it, but I, I know. Yeah. I don't want Tom to go to where, where that area is. I want him to get everything he can get and get the money to do it. Yeah, but Tom's alive. Let's help him. Yeah. I mean, I feel so horrible about Ken Fritz last night. I mean, that's a, that was a bad uh, yesterday morning, waking up and talking to these guys. Because I'll give you this little uh, tidbit: we were both first-team All Big Ten guards. It was me and Fritz, that's right. and we we're the only two redheads in the Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> And if you've ever grown up redhead, then you uh, you might know uh, that's not exactly I mean yeah, well, well, aren't exactly considered to, it's like we're in our own little we're like aliens, all right? Yeah, It's like yeah, we're not even we're not even white or black, we're like these these like <laughs> albinos or something. Yeah. And and th- two of us would always be gone straight from each other. Right, hey, tell you hey dude hey red, how you doing? And, <laughs> You're and we're the two parents. Yeah, yeah. and then my backup was Kevin Garrity from uh, Grafton, uh, Wisconsin, and uh, another redhead. So we had three guys in the Big Ten redhead, and we were all three guards. Yep.
2: Redheaded stepchild. There you go. You, you got to totally.
5: put him, you, you you know put him somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey. You know the other one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> John, that was great, man. I appreciate you. Uh, uh, and I'm we're, we're going to talk some more, man, because I, you got him, man. I, this, this Ohio State-Michigan rivalry – You know, a lot of people were taking it for granted in the 1990s, I'm telling you, and then the worm turned, and a lot of people started taking it uh, for granted in the first uh, 20 years of the uh, 20th uh, 21st century, and then the worm turned. You you can feel that tension already again, right? Well, you you
5: know, in the end, remember when I played, you know, we went to Rose Bowl every year. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I I was on the other side of the coin when we, when we kind of dominated the series. And so a lot of us come from that era and and that went on all the way into the nineties and then the worm turned and it's been beaten up. I mean, it's been, you know, 10, 14 years out of 16 or whatever it was. And and, uh, I remember looking at Harbaugh in 2018 and pointing to the, we came back as game captains, the linemen. And I'm looking at the thing and I go, that was 2004, your last big 10 it's now 2018 there's 14 years in there yeah okay yeah. i mean i mean you know your your whole career is going to be uh going to be uh basically banners and rings and so he sent me this one after he won it wow this is a, this is the the rose bow ring from two years ago yeah yeah that i get in the mail and it's not a, it's a facsimile it's not the real thing but he goes and it's got his name on it and he goes um how do you like me now? then <laughs> yeah. he did it two times in a row and then he yeah. put a natty on top of it. So yeah. as far as I can say to Jim Harbaugh right now, nice, very that's that was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's Thank you, the, right? That's one of yeah. the greatest coaching performances in the history of college football. Okay. He deserves everything he gets and I hope he really enjoys. I hope he gets a Super Bowl. I really do. Cuz he says uh, he's not fulfilled until he can beat his brother.
2: Yeah. And not only that, but the last time he was there and they got there, and it was the Harbaugh's, they got screwed yeah, on that last that? drive. Huh? San Francisco got screwed on that last drive with – Colin Kaepernick was the quarterback. You know what I mean? I mean, sure. that's how long ago that was. But but they got screwed on that last drive by a non-call, and I'm just going, you know, how do you, you how you fix it wrong? You go back and try to fix it. Of course, he still had that itch to get back there, to get back to the Super Bowl I have never had any problem with him interviewing with the Minnesota Vikings a couple of years ago because he had the, he, he wants, that's what he wants. What's wrong with that.
5: Right. You know, and, and our athletic director has never held him back either. Ward and Ward, Ward did the same thing with uh, John Beeline because he wanted to go in the NBA and he let him go and, and Ward's a good man. And and we'll go to that some other event, but uh, the thing that's cool about Jim Harbaugh with John and Jimmy and Jackie and uh, Jack and Jackie, the mom and dad and that yeah you talk about a michigan family oh my yeah. god i mean in our locker rooms every day grew up literally you know no daycare like i told you the boys just hung out in the locker room yeah i mean god knows what they were doing when we were practicing yeah I exactly mean, they, they a, and, and they and they had the equipment manager trying to babysit them and they just did whatever they wanted to so they'd come out in the field and throw the ball and punt the ball and but that was all the coaches kids it wasn't just the hard it was it was uh you know, Bo's son and, and, and Terrell Burton's son and the whole staff. But that was kind of cool because we were yes. a family. And we, we all feel we grew up with John and Jen, I'm, us old players. And uh, it's really cool to watch them go. It's, it's good to see their success. It truly is, Tim. It's fun. Yes. It's one of yep. those things that Bo and Woody would have done, you know.
2: Exactly. John Arbiznik, thanks for joining the Tim May Show, my man.
5: You got it, my brother. And we're going to be back the, uh, one of these times. Uh, and there's no issue too difficult for me. Uh, I know my way around Ann Arbor quite well, uh, very, whether the athletic department or whether it's anywhere in the coaching staff. Uh, particularly the, the the respect that I have for the staff that Jim created there. So in, in old times, so anything anything Buckeye, but let's do one thing. Let's raise some money for some people in need yeah. that don't have nil bills, that don't have these things, and let's uh, every once in a while realize that, yeah yeah we can get along. It's like Rodney King. Why can't we all just get along? Remember yeah. that?
4: Yeah,
2: when I, oh, went
5: yeah. To move, I moved, to L.A. in 1990. Oh, yeah, a little what? different yeah. circumstances, but absolutely, yeah. I remember that. Absolutely, fans will never get that. Yeah, but us old yeah. players with maladies, we we're there for each other, and and I understand the fan bases. And believe me, nobody can figure that out. That's Freud himself would have trouble yeah. with the two of them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. By the way, quick anecdote. This is from Tim May. I have a dark blue car. I have a dark blue car. Cause I like it. Don't get that turned uh, I, over. No, it wasn't <laughs> necessarily the, the college wanted to, you know, whatever. But when I covered the game up there this year, uh, this past year, uh, at Michigan, uh, had parking, parked over there at Pioneer high school, you know, where the parking yeah. lot is there. And, uh, and I put, I put Michigan stickers on the front and back because if <laughs> Ohio state won, I what? cause I had a, obviously an Ohio tag on my car but right, Ohio State won. I was concerned, brother. I was concerned. My might walk out there and be walking home instead of riding home. You know, like kind of like Woody and pushing Ohio across.
5: State the- guys turned your car over. Yeah, because Michigan doesn't do that. Oh, they don't. What? Do they just flip it oh, on its own. Oh, remember, remember, Joe Dixon uh, uh, recruited me to go to Ohio State in 1975, and uh, it would have been like yeah, January 75, and he had Michigan plates on his car. And I mean, and this is way back when, and his car got set on fire and turned over and he played for Ohio state. Yeah. goes figure. Ohio fans are different that way. I mean, the one thing I will say in Michigan, because I think a lot of them are quite civilized. I mean, you know, they're, they're usually college. They usually went to Michigan. Yeah. Uh, A lot of the, the, a lot of the Ohio state fans I met through my life. Whenever I walk around in airports for years, when I'd wear Michigan, anything, I'd get catcalled. Finally, my wife said to me, where are your Rose Bowl rings? And I got three of them. So I'd start wearing them and my captain ring, four of them. Yeah. And I would just walk in there and I go, like I said, and, and I found out that 85% of them never went to Ohio State. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. And, and that's what bothered me the most is that. And, and, and so Ohio's really a pro team. Ohio State's a pro team because we're not even loved in, in Michigan. You gotta understand Michigan State has a lot more students than we did. Uh, there uh, Almost everybody in Michigan State came from the state of Michigan. Michigan's international; it's out of state. You know, it's expensive. It's like a Stanford or Harvard, and and we never the, the Michigan State Police uh, uh, Academy is is in Michigan. Is, it's in East Lansing, and so I used to hide my rose bowl rings when I got pulled over by a state trooper because I knew they were going to write me a bad one because they'd see the Michigan on it. Wow. Well, that brings this a question: How many times you get pulled over? <laughs> twice. yeah twice um, well i used to fly i had that lead foot you know yeah i'm with you man i know what you're saying i know <laughs> what you're saying hey
2: uh, I, I hear you no but i will say this buckeye nation is a real thing it is like you just pointed well, out it is mean, obvious. It is a yeah. real thing and it's it's kind of amazing when uh you know it's kind of amazing to see it because i've seen the ebbs ebbs and the flows you know what i mean of the ties covering high state football since 84 and being around it before then, I mean, I talked to Bo all the time. I'm not all the time, but I talked to Bo a lot, you know, and uh he and Woody were just different, man. It was, you know, and and uh, you know, the thing I liked, believe it or not, the thing I liked about Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh versus each other is uh they are totally they were totally different people and uh in all kinds of ways. I don't think there was any love loss between those two guys. I think anybody could sense that. Whereas with Woody and Bo, you knew that no matter what, there was something way down deep that these guys liked each other. You know what I mean? A lot. Nowadays, I don't you don't get that sense, right? I mean, at least I don't. And uh
5: they we were best friends. They were best friends. And at the end, Chemi told me the story best, Bo's son. At the very end of uh of, of when 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 Woody was dying, yeah, he came to visit Bo the year before and uh, went to their house and uh shemmy was a little kid and and woody went right by uh, uh walked right by Bo at the car and so shemmy he, he put his hand on his hair and shook it and went where's my girl millie yeah. and walked right yeah. in there yeah and, and just that's that's the respect that they had for each other i was at the Aladdin club in columbus when bill joseph ran it and when we did the the uh we, we we did. You know, I was in the first table, so I could hear Bo and Woody talking, and, and it was the uh, the Woody Hayes roast because the next event after that was his eulogy, and Bo exactly. did both of them. I was there too. Go ahead. Yeah, and we're in the front page. And remember when Woody looks over to Bo, and when he's when he's uh, introducing him, and he goes, "Damn you, Bo, for 1969." yeah yeah. I mean it didn't matter. That's yeah. the one that stuck in Woody's craw. Yeah. That was the greatest team. That was they had a 30 game winning streak, right? Yeah. That was the, that was the next Oakland Raiders they said. They're the best team in football. Yeah. Yeah. That won't yeah. hurt. Yeah. On that note. <laughs> On
2: that note. That, uh, there's something else coming, but well, we'll get to that. No, next I don't month. have anything
5: else. I just figured we had fun today and uh, yeah. anytime you want.
2: Hey, John, well, I hope you man, miss your Tim. tea
5: time, my man. I hope I don't miss my flight. but ladies well, and gentlemen, That's why I'm about to get out of here. Yeah, I got two o'clock, so.
2: John Arbesnick, man, thank you for joining the Tim May Show. Let's do it again, all right?
5: Hey, an honor, sir. Really enjoyed it. And uh, hi, Buckeye Nation, believe me, we're not that bad of people. But let's get some money for Tommy Lemmonick.
0: Amen. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament.